Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hi, it's Pauline. Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. Today we meet with Vanille, who has lived in over almost 15 countries and is the founder of WealthyMoney.com and also hosts the podcast Property Magicians. Hello, Vanille. Great to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Pauline. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to hear all about your travels. So, when we first reached out, you were in Mexico and now you're in Costa Rica. So, continuing your travels. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't seem to stop. Like, 18 years later, I'm still like, wow, okay. But the world is really big. Oh, there's a lot to see. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like quite an adventure. Yeah. Let's start with you introducing yourself briefly to the audience then. Okay, so my name is Vangile Makwakwa and I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma. But as we've been speaking about, I've been doing that as I've been traveling. I built, so I started traveling when I, I was 21 and I raked up about how much, like $60,000 in debt by the time mm. I was 28, oh, which wow. kind of like changed my whole trajectory in life. I started off traveling with credit cards, etc., which brought me to do the work that I do. I moved home for a little while, which we'll get into the details, but then I paid off $60,000 in debt and then I started traveling again. And now I do it cash without any credit, without any debt. I don't mm. own a credit card. It's just purely cash. And so I've been debt free since 2014 and I've been doing the travel life without any debt since 2015 since well the end of 2014 really but um yeah and I've been helping women of color heal ancestral money trauma building online courses hosting international retreats so full-time since 2017 okay. um yeah so that's been an interesting journey on its own so I've been this nomad also mm. entrepreneur working from my laptop and then I went into property in South Africa which has been a whole journey because now I'm trying to figure out how to do property development okay <laughs> travel and I must tell you um, the theory of how it would work out and how easy it would be in my mind is turning out it's to not be very different <laughs> from the reality like in my head I was like these people don't know. They just don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> lately I sit with myself. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Why is the theory not matching? I don't get why it doesn't match. <laughs> On paper, it should be fine. Like, it makes so much sense. Theoretically, how I was thinking about it. But that's been so fascinating. Um, and I also have, apart from the Property Magicians podcast, I also run the Money Magic podcast where okay. I talk about money and trauma and I'm starting to do episodes around my travels because 
I mean, it's deeply tied to money and people yeah. are very, very interested, but I wanted to talk about the nervous system <laughs> and <laughs> money and trauma and mindset, but I'm going to start doing those episodes because I see that most people are fascinated by that. How do you make that happen? How did you move mm. to that country? What is the back end of the finances that you made come together for that? Okay, well, let's go back to the early days then and how this love for travel kicked off and how you just started moving as much then. Oh my gosh, like, so this was from a very early age for me in my teens. Oh, I would think, why the heck, especially in high school, like, why am I waking up to do the same thing every day, you know? <laughs> Like, why am I waking up to do things? And I would look around. Honestly, it was so depressing to me. And I was also already in therapy by the time I was 14 because I struggled with deep depression. So, and I think maybe because of that, it was also just like an opportunity for me where my therapist would always ask me, what do you think your life would look like if you were truly happy? So I was like being asked the questions that most people are grappling with now in their 30s and even as they mm. move into their 40s and all that. I was being asked those questions at 14 because oh, wow. just, yeah, because my mind was just so hectic at that time. And I kept saying to uh, to my therapist at the time that like, you know, the idea of being unhappy, like I'm so deeply unhappy doing school, waking up, having people tell me what to do, like, and doing the same thing day in and day out. Mm. Like it was, it felt so destroying. And I was like, I want to be happy 28 days in a month versus um, being sad 28 days and only being happy two or three days. I want to be right. only sad two to three days in a month and happy 28 days. And that for me, when I sat with it in high school, it was like, what does that look like? And I was very mm. clear that it was never going to be me going to work, me being in an office. Cause I was like, if I'm struggling like this, getting through high school, Wow, getting through the corporate world and adulting. Yeah, really <laughs> sounds so, so I started just looking, I kid you not, I would be in the newspapers and I'd be looking through. So this was before Google was as popular as it is. I mean, I was always on Google. Funny, Okay, so funny enough, I was on Google and I was on, this was the days of chat rooms. So I was on travel chat rooms. And I must, mm. like, I don't think people knew that, like, I was this little 15 or 16-year-old in the chat room. Because all right. these adult people will be talking about their travels to Aruba, um, talking about their travels to this place, this place. And I'd just be like, oh. Wow. And then I'd be in newspapers and magazines looking for any opportunity that said pack fish in Iceland for whatever reason. <laughs> this was being advertised the most. Work on a cruise line, do this. And right. yeah, and out of all those, funny enough, by the time I got to university, I knew there was an option to work on a cruise line, that okay. this was an opportunity that was available to me. And one of the first things I did in first year was spend a huge amount of money at the time for a little 17-year-old. I think because of the way the rand was, the dollar at the time, it was still very strong. I think I must have spent mm. like $120 buying a book 
on like that I saw online that was being advertised that you buy this book and it will give you all the HR details for cruise line companies. Because oh. I had very so the draw to the cruise line from the time it I was, was in there high, yeah. in high school was that yes, you work hard, you work like crazy, but you don't need money. And it's an opportunity mm. to save money so that you can go traveling. You just need to pay for your airline ticket and then they take yeah. care of everything. You get paid in tips and everything. Your money piles up. You get out of there. You've got money to basically start off your travels. So that was my entire vision. Okay. And when I spent four years of my university life emailing companies, messaging companies, nothing happened until I graduated. You know, I was meant to graduate. I was meant to get that degree. (laughs) Nothing happened. And eventually something did. (laughs) They messaged me and I had an interview and literally a few months after graduation, that was it. The rest is history. (laughs) So you were on that cruise finally. (laughs) I was. (laughs) Okay. Um, so yeah, that's how you got into it. And how did that cruise go? Actually, what, what was the area it went to? Oh my gosh. So I did, I decided to do waitressing for one of the cruise lines. People are not joking when they say cruise line work is hard labor. Hmm. I would work about 16 hour days, work 10 days straight and get 10 hours off every 10 days. 10 hours so off. that was my leave so I didn't have a day off not a single day off for eight oh, months wow. my contract was supposed to be six months but then within six months so around about the um, five month period a realization hits I'm like this is not like cruise line work is not going to work for me I need mm. to write my GMAT. So in the middle of these 16-hour days, and we would dock in Florida, I book a test to write my GMAT. I had to go to the captain, which they've never had this happen before. So I go to the captain. I'm like, I want to do my MBA. Can I please uh, get off? Because there were times when you get off on the ship and mm. you need to let them know if you're going somewhere. I'm like, I need to get off and go ride my GMAT. I'll be back on time. And he was like, if you're not back on time, we are leaving. So oh, I was wow. like, okay. So I was like, I need to miss the breakfast shift then. Everything. Like, please, can I be allowed this opportunity? He goes, yes. So that I could get there on time, ride, get back. And so... I was like, I will stay eight months because then it means that I can write my GMAT in month seven and I can then um, leave in month eight. So for three months after work, uh, I would like work 16 hour days, go to gym for about 30 to 45 minutes, be extremely exhausted, use the adrenaline Mm -hmm. from gym to then study for the GMAT for two hours go oh, sleep about five hours, start the day again, would skip lunch most days and just sleep for an hour during lunch and then just wake up, go to work. And that was my life. It was hard. It was one, yeah. it is still one of the hardest work experiences that I've ever had. 
I actually almost, when I finished my contract in month eight, I almost missed my flight from Miami to London because I'd asked them to book me to London and to give me enough time, just enough time to get off at the airport and go and explore, go meet up with some friends and then fly back to South Africa. But I remember being at Miami airport. I've just checked in. I've just done everything. Put my bags down and all I, and I fall asleep on the chair. Next yeah. thing I hear is my name just being called. I had yeah. missed everything. And I was just, luckily I was in front of the boarding gate. So I just quickly woke up and went there. But I mean, that was so, so crazy. That is how exhausted I was. I was completely yeah. drained. I can imagine. So how did you end up getting what you call your your happy life of actually being a nomad and having <laughs> having your your business let's maybe start with the business side of how you started when you when when you started and then move on to the the travel piece or maybe they both intertwine I feel like it's a bit of a parallel yeah they did, did both intertwine um so I never ever planned to do this work right it was just so when I was sixty thousand dollars in debt one of the things that happened was I started struggling with panic attacks and I couldn't mm. touch money, withdraw money, any kind of interaction with money. And I tell people that's when it, that's when I woke up to how often we interact with money in a day, you know, yeah. it's just like, we're not even aware of it most times, but we interact with money a heck of a lot. Yeah. And then just that realization that that was just causing so much panic attacks and freaking out in my nervous system so yeah that kind of really woke me up to everything that was then um, happening with me around money my money story so then I started just doing this work around money and trauma paid out went back to South Africa paid off my debt and I decided that I was gonna and then I ended up with fifty thousand dollars saved um so Within, I thought it would take me about five to 10 years to pay off my debt. Um, I set a conservative goal of five years. I paid off my debt <laughs> in three and a half years. I mean, who knew? Like I was earning in wow. US, I was earning in South African rands, paying off debt denominated in US dollars. I was like, what are the chances, you know? Yeah. But magic happened as you do the work and, you know, the universe meets you halfway And I ended up also having about $50,000 in debt. So for the first 2015 and 2016, I was just traveling. I was doing the work, but not seriously. And then in 2017, I moved to Chiang Mai, Thailand. Now, Chiang Mai is a gorgeous spot. Yeah. With um, then, apparently during COVID, it has since changed. But it was very, very big with digital nomads. And I suspect it still is. I didn't think I could do this full time, hey? Because it's like, how can I? But I mean, like I'd been traveling and I was like, okay, my savings are now low. Because after since 2014 through to yeah. 2017, like now I need to do something different. And that's how I ended up taking a chance on my own business at first it was really rough because I didn't have like really set ideas 
what my work had been focused on up until then was how to stay out of debt and how to save, right? Right. So then I'd done those things and I'd mastered those. And I still realized that, wait, there's the missing piece. I didn't know how to make a living and how to make yeah. an income from my business and then how to create passive income and build an investment portfolio. I didn't know that. And that's where this next part of my life then came in and where my business started to shift was, okay, there's different courses. Money is about different things. You master one area, but there's another area that you still need to work with on and another area. So I'd mastered my spending. Now it was time to work on my income. And okay. that's the work that I then started doing. And I launched online courses. Then I had my first retreat the very next year in, che- um, in Chiang Mai. I hosted right. my first Wealthy Money retreat in 2018. And the retreat, I think, opened up like whole new avenues for me because it started to just help me see different ways that I could also travel and merge my travels with everything that I was doing. So I started doing retreats in different countries and I continued with my online courses and they started to grow. And this is how I got to have this wonderful life. And I'm so grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And so when you moved to different countries, how long would you stay in, in general? Still up until this day, When I move to a country, I tend to stay for about six months or a year. But I generally like to stay for long periods. Yeah. So then uh, Thailand, Chiang Mai, I was there on and off for two years. I used that as my base. Sri Lanka also for uh, for two years or so. But in between, so I love to have a base country. And then Mm. I travel off of that base country. So I wasn't fully, I'm never fully in a country. If I'm there for a year year or two, I'm only there for just like three months at a time. Then I'm gone to another country for three months and I come back for three months and then I go to another country for three months. So I tend not to just stay put. So I guess it would be three to six months that I might ideal. And so, so when you say you have like a base country and then you go off traveling, would that mean that like you'd have a housing set up for all that period and you still go traveling after? Yes. I always, okay. even if I'm here for a short, for a short time, for example, in Costa Rica, I'm in Puerto Viejo and here for, and have like a permanent place for that seven weeks, you know? Okay. Got so it. it's really, um, it's a huge amount of time but so usually in that case I do Airbnb but if I'm staying for say six months like in Mexico I Mm. I find a local landlord and then I negotiate my housing in Chiang Mai it was such a beautiful situation because for two years I rented the same apartment and I'm still kicking myself in the foot because my Uh. landlord was trying to sell me the apartment my landlord at the time and she was like Dan I think you love this apartment so much and what I would do is I was renting the apartment long term and then when I go away for the three months wherever I live 
really have always had great relationships with my landlords. And what I do is I then negotiate that I can sublet the apartment and uh, do a short-term rental so that people okay. pay me money, sublet it, and then I pay the landlord. And then I pocket yeah. a little bit of the difference. Right. So that's what I did in Chiang Mai for those two years. And she was so happy about it because when I go away for three months, I pay her in advance for the three months that I'm away. And then like I ask everyone that's subletting from me for three months to pay me in advance or I just make the rent so that I'm able to pay the difference and cover a little bit. And I know that in turn, I'm just going to get paid and make up that difference as I'm traveling. So it turns out to be a really, really great setup for me when I operate like that. Got it. Okay. Well, talking about the money side, then maybe what would be your budgeting tips for someone who wants to go digital nomads? Yeah. So the first thing that I do really is I really just create, I have, two different i want no i like three different budgets so it's just like saying saying this i don't and i call them spending manifestos because obviously they're not the same as your everyone's budgets right so let me explain mm. why i have this because i have my life in whatever country i have then i've got some investments and expenses in south africa like i'm paying for my retirement annuity I'm paying life insurance, I'm paying all other things uh, back home, right. right? So I want to be able to constantly cover those things as I travel for investment purposes. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that I then uh, have is my business budget. So I write absolutely everything in my business budget. And then the business then pays me a salary. From my personal salary, I then put everything into my personal business account. My personal salary goes right. into my personal business account and everything is then covered from there. But also at the same time as all this is happening, I am also uh, paying my, I also have my own personal budget in the country. So then right. I take money from that to cover my budget in the country, you know. So that has helped a lot. And then a huge part of the budget is also just like projecting my income and trying to figure out, because I'm the one that ultimately has to make money in my business. So I then project and try to see how much money can I make in um, my business and what would I need to do to make that, that much money in the business. Okay. So yeah, that's really like setting out the, the plan, what you need, what will you be spending and where you where you get yeah. the money after to be able to, to cover all of it. Yeah. And uh, so the other thing is like every with every country, I have to readjust the budget. Right. Which mm. means that sometimes my salary has to go up in some countries and some countries it can go a little further down. Because, yes, I earn a lot of my clients are paying me in U.S. dollars, but some of my clients are paying me in South African rands. But the way that I do my budget, my business budget is in dollars because for obvious reasons, because I'm working in dollars. But my my personal budget is in South African rands because a lot of the things that I'm paying are in South African rand 
So what I do is I sometimes like pay myself just a set salary. But because in certain countries, um, the salary doesn't translate the same. You know, the rand is yeah. uh, depreciating, that currency appreciates and everything. So there's a lot of like having to relook at what is possible. Some countries, things are way more expensive, like for what I need, because I obviously have to stay in places where the Wi-Fi is good. I can't, I don't yeah. really stay with anyone. I always live alone, right? So my requirements have really changed in terms of Wi-Fi. So I need to get, yeah. I need to be in apartment blocks with really great Wi-Fi, quiet spaces, close to amenities, because I still have to work at times. Yeah, and I'm also a writer, so I write in the early hours of the morning. So uh, because of that, my rent is not always going to be like, oh, yeah, under $1,000 in most countries. No. It's often like, <laughs> over that and so my budget really really changes depending on availability what's available what's close by all that and then I try to pay myself a fair salary from that and I also have an intensive and this is something that I openly talk about I because of my history with depression and panic attacks and then being depressed I have like a lot. I have my coaches that I pay that goes mm-hmm. on my business budget. But on my own personal budget, I do a lot in terms of self-care. So my salary yeah. goes towards supporting me in terms of self-care. I pay for acupuncture. I pay for massages. I pay for different things. I do a lot of body work and a lot of nervous system work literally every week and that goes towards my budget as well so also understanding like one of the first things I do when I arrive in a country is I find different healers especially that focus Mm. on the body and then like I have a budget for that so yeah yeah. (laughs) okay so is that something before going to a country you'd actually look into well am I going to be able to find the health care the self the self-care that I want in that place yes I often do but like in every country I know I'm guaranteed to have massage therapists yeah it's almost a given right but what I would then usually do is look at what other things do they have in the country like apart from massages Mm -hmm. I love but then like what else is there in the country that will support me like oh that's another thing I'm glad you asked that I also um I'm also a yoga teacher, but like for me, yoga is also about like intensive self-care and nervous system Mm. regulation. So how far am I from yoga studios, the neighborhoods that have yoga studios? Yeah. So I basically, how I've been building my business more than anything is I do self-care and then I center my travels and my life around self-care. I'm also known for working with my womb so I work with the cycles of my womb really just uh nurturing the womb nurturing the body and a lot of that yeah so I also look for womb practitioners in different countries like other people who do kasainetsang massages or who do womb stuff who do breath work who can help me uh with my own body of work as I uh, do it that they can hold space for that so yeah, that's a lot of my budget <laughs> 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 in travels. But also, it's really fascinating 
because it's through doing all these activities that I get to then meet uh, so many people in yeah. different countries and I get to build this really, really beautiful network because I go to one practitioner and I'm like, oh, this is really great. I love this massage, but do you know anyone that maybe does craniosacral therapy or does TRE or does acupuncture? And usually healers tend to know each other, you know, so yeah. then they introduce me to this person, introduce me to this person, and they go, are you interested <laughs> in coming to this workshop? You know, I'm hosting this event, I'm hosting this party, would you love to come? And then from there, you meet more people and more people. Yeah, it's also building a network and discovering different types of practices depending on the countries and exploring. Yes, definitely. So I want to say what would be one of the biggest learnings you've had from the travels or also maybe a learning about yourself? Because I feel like it has brought you so much that you've explored all over. Wow. One of my biggest learnings about my travels, A, learnings about me like so it's how fast I can pick up a language like I'm really really shocked like (laughs) I now speak Spanish I've never heard Spanish except in the US when I lived there but like everywhere else because I've been like traveling Asia I've been traveling Europe I've been traveling America and just like I just never really heard Spanish in those countries so to just be here and speaking it was really really has really really shocking so learning that that I read it now I can write it like I oh wow amazing it, I text in it it's like so I'm <laughs> like I love that and so the biggest learning from that is that you you don't know what you're capable of as a person mm. like it's one of the things that I keep coming up against this and also, you don't, you don't know how adaptive you are as a human being. Until you actually do it, yeah. Until you actually do it. There are places where I've traveled. I remember when I moved to Goa, I was like, there's absolutely no freaking way, you know, I'm going to go to Goa and I'm going to be, and when I was there, like one of my first apartments was me having to do my own laundry by hand and then it would take oh, nice. like two to three days to dry because yeah. Goa is hot so you're dying in the heat but it's also extremely humid you mm. know so it takes like three four days to things to for things to dry so you're just like this doesn't add up it's such cognitive dissonance and yeah. I remember thinking there's no way I'm gonna get used to this And I stayed in that apartment for about three to four months, three and a half months at least. And I did my laundry every day and I did all these things that I was like, I am not going to be able to to do. So I adapted. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I adapted and I made a beautiful home of the space and I actually ended up falling in love with the space. I adapted to getting on my scooter and getting water. And eventually at some point I was like, F it. 
I'm so sick and tired of going to buy these big barrels of water, getting it on my scooter and lugging it around. Let's see if my, if my entire tummy will die if I just boil water in India. And till this day, like people look at me like I have lost my brain cells. When I say like, <laughs> I, when I'm in India, I just boil the water now. And I'm just like, I never died. I don't have any parasites. And I'm <laughs> it actually like, works. <laughs> it actually freaking works. Like people are like, what the hell? So you don't know what you can adapt to. And yeah. I also think the other lesson is, literally the kindness of strangers wow Mm. like i think if travel has taught me anything it's how most humans are just incredibly kind and good you know yeah i just learn to trust again in a way you do learn to trust it's like literally another experience a lot of the lessons involve my time in India as well when I was living out there. So when I was uh, living in Goa uh, the first time, because I've gone back to Goa since. <laughs> you um, love the laundry. <laughs> I, I Clearly I did, right? I was, I, it was my first day riding a scooter. So first I go to the sky. I don't have a scooter license don't have insurance for the scooter obviously Mm. if you don't have a scooter license and I've never ridden a scooter and I'm like I need a scooter to get around it's Goa there's no other way to get around there's no Uber even till this day not much of anything so then he goes you have five minutes to show me that you won't destroy my scooter obviously I fell (laughs) off the scooter and I convince him to give me the scooter. Then I drive around all day on the scooter, falling, getting back up, just literally teaching myself to ride a scooter because all he did was, this is the brake. This is how you do everything. This is how you start the scooter. Go for it, you know? And I was like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) You know? And um, he was like, if my scooter comes back banged up, you're going to pay for it. And we're not discussing insurance or anything. So luckily, when I filed, the scooter never, ever got banged up. But so the first day, obviously, I also have no idea where I am. It's my first day in Goa, everything. And I get it into my head that I need to go get an astrology reading. So... I go to a yoga studio. The yoga teacher tells me where I can go get the astrology reading. I hop on the scooter. I go to where he's uh, directed me to. I get lost along the way so much. People keep directing me to someone. I end up finding this guy who, by the way, was the greatest find. Because till this day, the things he told me are still happening. And I'm just like, (laughs) wow this guy and when he told me some of these things I was like yeah right and now I'm just like yeah okay that guy was the real deal now I get it (laughs) on that day right but um coming back it was now really really dark I have no clue where I'm going you read all these horror stories from around the world and from India and I literally stopped two guys and I told them like it's pitch black they can see Mm. um a woman And I'm like, I am lost. This is where I think I live. This is where I think my apartment is. I don't even know the real town where my apartment is, by the way. And these guys drove all the way with me 
to the town oh, wow. and when i got to town that's adorable. i figured out where i was and they helped me get home and then they left and continued all the way back to where they were going kindness of strangers wow. and i have so many yeah. stories like this from all over the world it's just trust humans don't be scared to ask for help yeah. and strangers will often turn into your best friends yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's nice to have that faith in humanity. <laughs> I have a blind faith in humanity, which sometimes gets me into trouble. But I would say 80% so of the time. <laughs> yeah, but 80% of the time it pays off always and yeah. beautifully. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so let's move on to the recommendations piece then. I don't know if you want to do it in Costa Rica or in Mexico, up to you. Okay. One restaurant in, I'm going to do Mexico and I'm going to do Puerto Escondido. One restaurant in Puerto Escondido. If you're ever in Puerto Escondido, look for a vegan tacos place called No Mames. Thank me later. <laughs> they always so fully booked. They do vegan tacos. One bar, I don't know the name of this bar, and it's not really a bar, it's a restaurant, but they make really gorgeous cocktails. They are in Rinconanda, and it's a hotel right near the ocean. I can't right. quite remember. Ask around for a hotel that overlooks the ocean. Really, really beautiful spot as well. <laughs> One yoga studio in Puerto Escondido it's in Tamarindo's Maria Yoga Studio and it's spelled M-A-R-E-A and it is incredible make sure that you go to the Ashtanga classes the Ashtanga yoga classes are incredible and then honestly a full plug if you are not into Ashtanga yoga do the, the restorative yin yoga on at 11 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday morning. People would literally travel for that class oh, wow. from other parts of Puerto Escondido. It is that good. It is one of the best, like I love yin yoga, but it is really one of the best yin yoga classes that I've had globally. So Amazing. really, really incredible. And when in Puerto Escondido in general, just do the yoga. They have some incredible yoga teachers out there. I don't know what is in the water, what they're doing, but it's really great. All right. We'll check out the yoga classes. We'll link everything in the in the comments. And before we come to a close, I'd like to know your expat song or your nomad song. <laughs> okay. There's this song in Thelma and Louise in the movie that's all about this right. woman when they're driving in the car and they just have this realization and they start playing the song that this woman had this realization that she would never go traveling through Paris with um, her hair in the wind, you know? So that for me is my nomad song. And ironically... And yeah, you ended up traveling. <laughs> It's my song. It just, it keeps reminding me of that. And then just very random. I also just love Imagine Dragons, you mm. know, uh, Thunder. For whatever reason, I associate it with, um, with, my travel, with my travels. 
<laughs> okay, well, we'll try to find a Thelma and Louise one and link it in the comments as well as Thunder. Great. Thank you so much for joining, Manile, um, and your insights on budgeting and your whole life journey. I feel like you've made so much <laughs> out of it. Thank and I hope you enjoy so your time in Costa Rica. Coming. Thank <laughs> you. Have a fantastic day further. Thank you. I will. Guys, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, please put a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And as usual, you can find everything linked in the comments. I'll link also all of Angela's details, Instagram and podcasts, training uh, courses links. And stay tuned for the next episode. You can also find the updates on Instagram as usual. Bye.